the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we close out the week here on Abounding Grace, we are back in Romans chapter 12, looking once again at Christ and his gifts. Join us. Jesus Christ and his gifts. And they're not just gifts to be used within the church, but they are also marks of a true believer in Christ. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, online at reformedheritage.org. We're back in Romans 12, verses 6 through 14, as we close the week out with part three of our mini-series called Christ and His Gifts, the mark of a true Christian. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. We are supposed to bear one another's burdens, but again, remember, exhortation like prophecy, like teaching, like service is pointing us to Christ. If the gift of prophecy, preaching is Christ's voice, if the gift of serving is His hands, if the gift of teaching is His wisdom, then the gift of exhorting is His beating heart of love in our midst encouraging us to hold fast and be faithful. This gift, I think, has two traits. Practical experience in God's Word and its dealings in your life, and two, a very tender regard for others. Practical experience. I can't encourage others if I'm not practically experienced in God's Word, and if I'm not honestly searching my own heart by Scripture. And two, I can't encourage them if I don't care about them. Ah, just buck up. What's your problem? Some people over the years, and this just baffles my mind, have complained that I'm just too long-winded. Well, maybe that is true. But we need to do everything we can to get off the clock when it comes to Sunday. Body life is not. I come here, and I get what I want, I critique what I don't like, then I'm out of here. That is not body life. Body life is when there is practical knowledge of my own heart. I am weak. I need the encouragement of God's word and of the brethren. I'm drinking at the fountain of God's promises every day because without them I'm washed away by the storms of life. And then, when I see a brother or a sister hurting or there is a need, I think, what encourages me? Oh yeah, the Lord reminded me of His love. Sometimes that's all it takes. The Lord loves you, brother. I'm praying for you. But we can't do this if we don't have these two things some practical working, dealing with God in His Word in our own heart, and two, a real love and a real regard for the needs of others. 
You know, when Jesus went around encouraging, he did not do it as the false prophets did, just a light healing of sin's wounds. Sometimes exhortation is confronting sin. But you say, oh, oh no, I can't confront. I can't say that to someone. Why not? Have you not been confronted by other people? Was it helpful to you? That is why real encouragement, real exhortation is exposing ourselves and going and confronting someone else if necessary. Because why are men miserable? Oh, because nobody loves me. No. Men are miserable because we are sinful. Sin is the ultimate cause of all misery, including the hurt feeling syndrome. The I need someone to deeply, deeply, deeply understand what I'm going through. Well, we all need something of that. But there's only one person who can do that, and it is Christ. Because he does it without being sentimental. He does it without being paralyzingly emphatic so that nothing ever gets done. He does it by challenging us through the word so that, oh, I see you're hurting here, disciple, wife, friend. I see you're hurting, but you see, the ultimate reason you're hurting is because you're not looking to me. You're not looking to someone else to meet. You are looking to someone else to meet your needs or someone didn't do something for you just right or someone didn't say something just like you wanted it to be said or God forbid they didn't agree with everything you said they had to hold to. No, no. The Lord Jesus comforts us by continually bringing us back to the word, exposing, challenging, and that's the way we are to be with one another. So in many respects, those who are able to be encouraging, to be an exhorter, to be a consoler, are those who have drunk deeply of the medicine themselves. Are you drinking from the word? Then you will be able to share the medicine. Are you drinking God's promises? Don't look for formulas and books on how to be an exhorter in three easy lessons. Drink the medicine of the word. Drink the encouragement, the consolations of Christ, as Paul calls them. Drink of Christ. He is the living water. And then, husband, you'll be able to encourage your wife. And then, wife, you'll be able to encourage your husband in a way that doesn't just blast him, but does bring God's word and does so gently, but at the same time does so strongly and firmly. How do we do this? Because we know the deceitfulness of our own hearts. We know as soon as I get away from God's word, I go down a maze of stupidity. That is one of the reasons why so many people ask, why don't churches sing those old hymns any longer? Well, because we are more casual today, right? We don't need to be confined to the meter form Right? No, the reason they wrote good hymns before, strong biblical hymns, <clears throat> and the reason most hymns today are silly ditties, is because they drunk deeply from the Word. Deeply, deeply. 
They memorized the word and they meditated upon it. And many of our old hymns are just scripture alone. Some in different words and form. Because the men and the women of old meditated on scripture and they were comforted. Think about that the next time we sing Jesus, Thy Joy of Loving Hearts by Bernard Clairvoy, a French monk whom Luther said was better than 10,000 monks put together. And this is a hymn in which hearts are lifted. The gift of encouragement that God gave to Clairvoy has not died in a thousand years. This song is still being sung and song is still being sung in, in churches all over the world today. It is still operative in the church. Why? Because he drank deeply of the word and that word doesn't die even in a hymn. No word of God ever dies. So if we want to be used of God to encourage our family members or one another, we've got to drink deeply from his word and of Christ because behind every encouragement or word of exhortation is the whispering voice of our Savior saying, Be of good cheer. Don't give up. I've overcome the world. Christ said, Are you in pain? Oh, remember mine. Do you need grace to forsake, to overcome, to resist the temptation to sin? Oh, remember my wounds and how I endured unto death. Remember how that when the horrors of death and the pains of hell were drowning me, remember how I prayed to my Father. You do the same thing. And He will leave you. He will never leave you and never forsake you. Cry to Him as your Father. This is Jesus whispering to us. He says, hope in me. Believe my promises. This is the kind of consolation that we need. And praise God that the Lord Jesus shares his wise and tender heart with many members of his body. So they may encourage us to hold fast. To pour out our hearts to the Lord and wait upon him. I realize what I'm presenting to you today doesn't fly very well in a technological age. I mean, I've got stuff to do, man. My phone just keeps beeping, and I've got to go here, and I've got to go there. Life has become so artificial. Relationships have become so artificial. Social networking oftentimes put things at a very artificial level that is really not about others, but about me. Oh, just let me vent here. Things that we wouldn't say in another context, we say in these contexts. Because this is my opportunity to express my hurts and my feelings. Some of that is okay. But it needs to be more about Christ and less about you. Because always remember, He must increase but I must decrease. And that applies just as much to Facebook as it does to the Sabbath day. But please understand at some level as Christians, just because progress is going on in a certain area doesn't mean it is good progress. All progress against the American lie is not good progress. Some progress is actually detrimental because it makes us forget our need and our weaknesses. It makes us forget, oh, wait a minute, 
just because I'm able to look this up on a site that can give me a definition in three to five seconds and I don't have to wait for it, that doesn't mean that that is how God deals with my soul because God doesn't deal with men as owners of smartphones or owners of computers or users of the internet and automobiles. He deals with us as men, men as image bearers. He deals with us as, as a wise shepherd. And how does he encourage us? Have you struggled with things for many years in your life? Like I have? Probably so. Why haven't you given up? God didn't give you an easy answer. He didn't write it on a little three by four screen so that you could see it. He kept you continually seeking him. Drawing near to Him, crying to Him, sharing your pain with Him, seeking healing from Him. That's what we've got to do and live by if we are going to be men and women who truly encourage each other. Parents need this. We all have the Holy Spirit, so at one level this gift is diffused throughout the body in ways that others perhaps are not. And it stands to reason that this ability to exhort, to console, to encourage should be present throughout the body of Christ. Parents need it. They've got to shepherd their children. But it needs to be more than just being a taskmaster and a disciplinarian. Yes, children need discipline. But remember what discipline is. Discipline is discipleship. Disciplining. Discipling them in God's way, regardless or not of what is comfortable for us or what we like. That's why the home is one of the first places where this warm, tender understanding is instilled. Not screaming, not, well, you're not doing what I want you to. You really hurt my feelings. And you don't think of me as you ought to think me. Thank me as you ought to thank me. That, parents, is not what our children need to hear from us. That all may be true. I mean, our children are going to be very ungrateful at times. I mean, if you signed up for grateful children, you should have never become a parent. Because, think about it, we are ungrateful to our Heavenly Father. So it, sound, so it stands to reason that gratitude is something that is learned over the course of life. But children, nonetheless, need tender discipleship, encouragement, and exhortation. Firmness, sure. But even that has to be done with tenderness. So that the desire becomes, I don't want to displease God. I don't want to displease my mother and father who love me and are tender to me and are crying. That made a big difference to me, as many spankings as I got. My parents didn't always shed a tear, but I'm aware I could be pretty infuriating, just like Krista could probably say at times. I am now. My dad would cry sometimes, although he tried to hide it. I could tell it pained him, and he was bigger than I was, but he was pained because he was concerned over what I might become. That's when we see a warm, beating heart. Parents, if you are fearful... 
then you are not drinking of the encouragement of God's word so that it's building up your home. Young families need this gift of encouragement from the body. It's very difficult during the working years and the child-rearing years. Mothers feel alone. Families get stressed out. So it's very important that those of you who are a little bit on the other side of having young ones or way on the other side like me, that you come back and encourage the younger families and involve yourself with them so they don't give up and lose heart. The elderly need encouragement. The body decays. Friends die, and sometimes Satan waits to send some of his most despairing missiles until old age. You know, I've got to put out, be put out to pasture, but I still feel like I've got so much I want to do. So what does the body of Christ do? It has to extend encouragement, consolation, and edification to the elder members. Why? Because we wouldn't be where we are today without them, without their service, because one generation must praise the Lord's name to the next. Our culture is idolizing youth, which means our culture is idolizing stupidity. Sorry, young people, but it's a fact. The fact that you don't recognize that is proof that you have bought into it. And our culture, because it idolizes you, tends to be dismissive of the elderly and disrespectful. You rarely hear anymore anyone saying, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, or yes, mother, and yes, father. I rarely hear it here. But anyone who was younger than anyone else should, in responding to those in authority, say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. When you're a home parents, don't tolerate this because you are then teaching your children I'm, uh, I, to, be, to not be exhorters but to be narcissists. I don't have to respond to you respectfully. Yes, you do. I got some of my worst spankings for not being respectful to my elders, especially my mother. And yes, I deserve them. But you know... We just carry that over into the body life of Christ. Okay, yeah, they're older. But again, the church wouldn't be where it is without their years of faithful service. I could go on and on about this. But the point I want to make is, the closer we are to walking with the Lord and drinking from His Word, the more the gift of encouragement is going to be stirred up within our midst. And we can't fall, I'm sorry, that we're just fail as we drink the medicine and the encouragement of Christ. Not to be changed literally by what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.4, where he's talking to the congregation and saying some really pretty difficult things to them and to us. Chapter 1, verse 4, who comforted us all in all our tribulation. Why? that we may be able to comfort them who are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. God comforts us, and with that comfort we are to comfort others. So perhaps then we should view this gift of encouragement as the common possession of the whole body. Yes, it is exercised more efficaciously by some than others, 
but it is to be sought by all of us because we are all drinking of the consolation that is in Christ. So as I conclude, let me just ask a few questions as I often do. Do you share in Jesus' servant heart? In your home, when was the last time, teenager, you just said, I'm going to serve. I don't want anything. I don't even want to have to be asked. I love Jesus, and I just want to serve. Dads, same things. Body of Christ, we have a lot of people here who serve admirably, particularly among our women. But all of us need to be, I want to serve. So do you have Jesus' heart? Because if we have him, we're going to have his fruits and his gifts. Are you encouraging one another? When was the last time you tried to encourage someone else? And I'm not asking this to make you feel guilty. But this next one I am. If you haven't encouraged anyone, are you being encouraged by Christ? Are you going to the word because the comfort he gives will flow over into someone else's life? Jesus doesn't give private consultation parties. What he gives, we share. So we need to, since these gifts are all a part of Christ's fullness, to walk with him. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. So if we want to be gifted, if we want joy, the point of the gift is not, look at me, here's my gift. No, look at Christ, look at his fullness. And that is the point of all of this. Look at his life unfolding in our midst. Do we want that? Then we've got to walk with him. We've got to pray, Lord Jesus, bring your life to us. Every one of us should be praying each day, Lord Jesus, like it says in John 1.16, of your fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Lord, show me your grace. Share with me your fullness, because unless you give me life, I have nothing. So I would simply encourage you in using your gifts where you are in your home with close relationships to begin to remember we need to have a bigger vision, not for what we can do, we need to have a bigger vision of what we can do for Christ. Preaching, teaching, serving, encouraging. We need a bigger vision of who he is and what he intends to do with his church. And it is not our vision. It is just him. He is so big. He is bigger than your problems, bigger than your tears, bigger than your children's problems. He is the cosmic Christ, and he is the near Savior. Let's seek him and ask him to share in his fullness because he has plenty. We haven't even scratched the surface even here of what he would make of us. And you, are not, you have not scratched the surface of what he will make of you. And that is not the power of positive you. That is, whenever Jesus saves you out of your particular version of dung, he intends to make you a new creature. 
He's not content to just kind of stay alongside and, well, that's just the way Gary is. I'll live with it and maybe he'll give me 5% of himself on the side down the way. No, he makes us new. Pray, Lord, make me new. Whatever is no good about my personality, change it. What you want me to do, sanctify, change me. If I struggle with this, change me. So then instead I can serve you on the other side of that change. Behold, if any man be in Christ, a new creation, the old things are passed away. And Jesus says to us and to the whole world today, Behold, I make all things new. I am the first, the last, the Alpha, and the Omega. Do you have things that need to be made new in your life? Are you struggling with a particular sin, a weakness, fear, lifelong habits? Seek Christ specifically as the one who makes all things new and wait on him and call upon him. And he will help you, beloved. For he says, I am the Lord who heals you. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org. And if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org. Or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.